Good morning, everybody. How are we this morning? I said I need to put my mic closer to my chin. I said whenever I bend down, my goatee gets in it, and then you hear my hair just scruffling around. And we'll figure out how this is going to work. I'll get back here one of these days. Hold on. Here we go. What a wonderful day that God has blessed us with. Uh, meteorologists are struggling. Um, yesterday was supposed to rain. Today was supposed to rain, but God is so good. Um, he gives us rain when we need it and sunshine when we need it. Sometimes we wonder why God does what he does. But one thing that we always know is that he has our best interests at heart, that his kingdom comes first. And when we can all get to that, what a glorious day it'll be. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather. Lord, as you've showed us things, um, took us through things here in the past little bit. God, we don't have to see the whole picture. God, all we have to see is you. I'm so thankful, Lord, that my soul and my eternity rests in your promises. Lord, in your forgiveness and your grace. Lord, no other chance that would I make it except for through your son. God, we are thankful for him. God, we're also thankful today as we spend this weekend celebrating the fallen. Lord, the ones that have fought and lost their lives in battle. God, as they gave it all for the freedoms that we have here today. Lord, the only reason that we're able to stand in front of them is because of you and because of them. And God, as we remember each one of those names that were read this morning from this county, know that there's every county across this great country that is just like ours. They've had heroes step in the gap to defend the weak and give speech to the speechless. God, as we remember those that are fallen today, God, we pray that you be with those families, their friends, and our country. Lord, that we would never forget what it takes to live in such a wonderful place. God, I lift our service, men and women, up to you right now. Lord, everyone that's on the front lines, Everyone that isn't in church today because they're spending the night in some desert or rainforest. Or the ones that left their families to go defend the rights for me to stand here and talk about you today. God, I pray for their protection and their peace. Lord, I pray for this congregation, Lord, that we would unify as an army. Lord, that we would come together undivided so that we can make gains for your kingdom. Lord, I love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> it's a great weekend um, to remember those that have fought and gave their lives. And I couldn't help but think this morning 
in this past week as I was looking at Scripture and, and doing different things. Uh, the amount of dedication it takes to leave a family, leave your loved ones, to go fight, to defend the liberties and freedoms that we stand here and observe today. And I couldn't help but think of the resemblance between a soldier and Jesus. They go and fight. They lay their life on the line and some gave all. And some fell. And some shed blood that never knew me. But they fought for me. The only difference is Jesus knew me when he fought for me. So yet, as I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. And he died for all of you guys. Just like soldiers leave their families, he too left a following. He left a mother and a father. And he gave his life for sinners like me. Undeserving, overprivileged, sometimes a little whiny. But he shed his blood for me on the cross. Much like the soldiers that we're remembering today. That they gave their lives, they sacrificed their families, their futures. So that we could gather in peace today. The resemblances of, of soldiers in Christ um, just kept growing as I kept doing some searching. I'm going to read. Um, I found a really cool section. It's out of an army field manual that was written in 1952. And this section is the character of a soldier. It says, The things you are. When we say that a man has good character, we mean that he has many strong qualities and virtues that added together make him a man whom we like, respect, and trust. One definition of character, therefore, is this. The sum of the qualities that make a person what he is. It's not easy to tell you exactly what qualities and virtues you must have to be a good soldier. But perhaps you can understand better what is meant by a soldier's character. If you consider some of the qualities that all of our good soldiers have had, these qualities include honesty, courage, self-control, decency, and conviction of purpose. This is by no means a complete list but those are the qualities that most good soldiers possess. You must be honest, because there is absolutely no room in our military world for dishonesty, half-truth, or any other shade in between. When the outcome of battle could rest on the truth of your report, your word must be your bond. In private life, one can avoid or make allowances for those who have trouble telling the truth. But in the army, soldiers depend on each other too much to accept anything but complete honesty. All good soldiers understand the need for truthfulness and shun those who lie. As a soldier, 
You may be called on to be courageous in many ways. In battle, you may have to keep moving forward in the face of heavy enemy fire. Lives of other men may depend on this kind of courage. Battle plans are based on it. Then in addition to courage in battle, you need to you need to courage to admit you need the courage to admit your own failures. You may need still another kind of courage to ask your fellow soldiers to keep going when they have nearly reached the limit of their endurance. In any talk of courage, however, it is important that you know the difference between real courage and foolheartedness. Taking unnecessary risks is stupid and often endangers the lives of others. Being courageous doesn't mean that you won't be afraid at the same time. Fear in battle is natural, and some of our best soldiers have been those who have been afraid, but who went ahead into battle even with a shaking hand and a pounding heart. Soldiers who have displayed this kind of courage were able to do so because of another quality, self-control. As a soldier will be living and working closely with other soldiers, you will be leading a highly disciplined life. Good self-control makes this discipline easier. It will also help you avoid temptations that may plague you. Temptations to dodge your duty, to indulge in immorality, or to use your power unfairly. Sometimes you may be the law itself, and only your sense of right and self-control will stand between you and your abuse of power as a, as a soldier. Self-control is inner discipline. You were not born with it, but all good soldiers have acquired it through the years by checking their tempers and desires and by counting ten before they acted. Another quality that all good soldiers have is decency. This means personal habits that make it easier for others to live and work with you. Your honesty, courage, and self-control will strongly affect your companions. But in addition, it is important that you give them the same consideration that you'd like them to give you. This means respecting their property and views, keeping yourself clean in body and speech, and accepting others for what they are, not for the color of their skin or where they came from. All these qualities are important parts of a good soldier's character, but the quality that all of our great soldiers have had, the quality that gave meaning to all of their other virtues, is conviction of purpose. This means that these soldiers fought well and were able to endure the hardships of war because they were convinced that what they were doing was right. Admittedly, this quality isn't easy to have. Many combat veterans will tell you that they were never quite sure why they were fighting. Some say that they fought to save themselves. Others say that they fought for the men around them or because they hated the enemy. There is never any single reason why men fight. 
Our truly great soldiers, however, have fought for our country because they believe that our freedoms and way of life were worth the sacrifice. You probably know the story of Sergeant York. When he first entered the Army in World War I, he was troubled because his training and his conscience told him, Thou shalt not kill. After a long struggle with his conscience, however, he realized that the fighting the enemy was just, because the enemy would have enslaved the world if they could. When he realized this, he became one of our greatest heroes, because he was convinced that it was right for men to remain free. These are some of the main qualities that make up the character of a good soldier. Nobody can give you these qualities. You have to get them yourself by hard work. But at least you know what the qualities are. And if you don't have all of them, you have a goal that is worth reaching. Again, that's from a field army manual written in 1952. I think many of the things said in there line up with the way a Christian should be today as we assemble as an army of the kingdom of God because there is a battle to be fought. The war is already won, but if we want to see generations to come, we must fight for our freedoms that we have now. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be set free. But unless we share the gospel, and unless we tell other people that Christ died for them like he died for us, then it gets lost and our freedoms slowly fade away. Because the less people believe and the less faith this world has, the darker it gets. See, it's said in there, a good soldier presses forward even when it seems tough. Even when he faces opposition or under heavy fire. It's said in there also that some people hate their enemy. I'll ask you this question today. Do you hate sin? The Bible says that we should hate Sin. We should hate the sin in our lives and we should hate the sin in other people's lives. The Bible tells us that if we're not for the kingdom of God, that we are strictly against the kingdom of God, that there is no neutral ground, that you can't fight one side one day and one side the other. You can't hold sin in your left hand and righteousness in your right hand and bring them together because they are opposition. So you have to make a choice of whose army that you're going to fight in. Because you can't simply say, I'm going to set this one out. You don't get the option to set out because if you're not gathering, then you're scattering. If you're not telling people that Jesus Christ died for them on a cross, then you're not telling them that Jesus Christ died for them on a cross. You're not helping build the kingdom of God, you are dismantling the kingdom of God. I'm going to get into uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I've had more people uh, talk to me over the course of time when I started preaching 
about battling, about being in an army, about suiting up with armor, about protecting those that are around you, about withstanding the wiles of the devil and everything basically that Ephesians has in it and says about the armor of God. But the harder I press into Scripture and the closer I walk with Christ, I find it more and more relevant every day to suit up with the armor of God to press forward that there is no turning around and fleeing because once you step into it, you can't step out of it. Once you said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, you've entered the battle zone because you are strictly opposition of the enemy in which we hate. Because Satan will try to attack you on every side and when you take a seat to sit down and relax and gain your breath, Satan sees you. I think about it all the time, and I believe it was uh, Priscilla Schreier, which is Tony Evans' daughter, was, I heard her sermon one time, and she was talking about uh, being a parent and guarding your children and telling them about Christ and, and everything that we should be doing, speaking life into our children. And she said something in her sermon that really made me think and it really made me hurt as a parent. He said, don't think the devil's just studying you. The devil is studying your children. The devil is learning all about them. Their weaknesses. Their flaws. So as any good father, I was like, I got this. I can tell you, I have got nothing without the power of God in me. I have got nothing. I've got no strength to withstand the wiles of the devil. I have no authority to overcome anything on my own. It's through Christ who saved me, who pulled me out of wretchedness, who died for me. So as we remember today, those that died for a freedom... I can't help but think of the similarities between Christ and a soldier. Romans 5, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified to faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, a lot of people think, you know, the peace that surpasses all understanding and the peace of God, that anybody can have that. And they're right, anybody can have that, but not everybody does have that because not everybody has Christ. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, which your faith being in Christ, you have the peace of God. Verse 2, it says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope and the glory of God. There again, because of Christ and His sacrifice and willingness to shed His blood for us, we have access by faith to God's grace. Amen? That gets me excited. We also have hope in the glory of God. In verse 3 it says, Not only so, but we glory, listen to this, we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulations worketh patience, and patience, experience. And experience, hope. It seems like a lot of scripture in the Bible compounds on itself, right? It's like, man, you take one step and there's another step. You take a half step and there's another half a step. You take two steps and there's two more steps. Where is the end? 
The end is when you receive your formerly fitted crown of righteousness that God has made you. It's when you enter your room in the mansion that Jesus Christ went to build you. See, there is no end while we're here on earth because we're imperfect. There's always room to grow. I know Kenny will tell you that he's pretty close, but he's still got just, I mean, just a little room to grow. You'll never reach the pinnacle here. You'll never reach your max. You'll never get to the peak. But I can assure you it's worth the climb. It says that we find glory in tribulations knowing that tribulations spark on more. It sparks on more. My daughter and wife ran a 5K on Saturday. And Misty was talking to me about the race. And how good it is to have somebody with you. Spurring you on. Spurring you on to make yourself give more than you ever thought you could give. To make yourself be more than you ever thought you could be. See, the Word of God spurs us on to be more than we could ever be on our own. But be with Christ inside of us. With the Spirit of God inside of us, the, 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 it's limitless. You have never-ending power, love, mercy, and compassion through God. See, Misty said towards the end, and a 5K is 3.1 miles, that Misty would set objectives. Like, all right, we're going to run to here, and then we can walk for a little bit. We're going to run to here, and then we can walk for a little bit. We're going to run to here, and then we can walk for a little bit. I don't know how many of you all have ever done the same thing. I'm not talking about running, but you set goals just out ahead of yourself so that you can push yourself just a little bit farther. Because how do you gain? You have to push yourself past the normal. You have to push yourself past the normal. If I stop every time I get tired, I'm not going to gain a whole lot. But if I stop 20 seconds after I get tired every time, I'm going to gain a little. And I'm going to gain a little. And I'm going to gain a little. If I read another chapter in my Bible when I normally would have stopped, then I'm going to gain a little. If I pray a little bit harder every time that I pray and I shut out some kind of outside distraction every time that I pray, I'm going to gain a little. If I pray one more time in each day than I was usually, then I'm going to gain a little. If I step out in faith just a little bit, I'm going to gain a little. See, in fighting battles and being part of an army, it's all about gaining a little. It's all about gaining a little. But glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. I don't know who ever who has ever seen this, but if you've seen, I it just it can't get out of my mind. We went to a family gathering, and my uncle Bull, love him, love him to death. Sometimes a little ill tempered, but we were down at Grandma's, and I bet Grant was just little little, and he had him on his shoulder sitting at the dining room table, and I mean he was just both hands just smacking him on the head and I've never seen my uncle bull sit there and take anything like that he never would have taken that from his kids ever he wouldn't have taken it from me or his brothers or sisters 
But his patience that he had gained, gained experience. And his experience, hope. And I don't know if anybody has ever seen it, but if you sit and watch a grandparent with a child, it's so much different than a parent with a child. I now realize in in raising my own kids and seeing my parents and my in-laws with my kids, why I learned so much from my grandparents. Because they took the time. They didn't have anything else to do that day or it wasn't important as sitting with me and teaching me how to fish or bait a hook. Now, my parents taught me a whole lot. I'm not saying that they didn't. But I can watch my parents not fish the whole day and sit there with Tate and Peyton and let them fish and fish and fish and they never throw a rod in the line where I'm like, here's your hook going. I'm like, come on, catch me a fish. Or here, here's your hook. I've got to go weed eat while you're fishing. I'm going to do this and then you come back and I've got other things to do or I'm going to press on because I want to tie on a different bait or you know, I'm going like this. And I don't just sit and watch and help and be totally focused on them very much. I do every now and then and I try to get better at it. But that comes with experience. It comes with patience. It comes with not running so fast that you don't see all the things around you. But we build as we move on. That's why we need elders in our churches. Along with kids. So that the elders can teach the kids. See, you see a lot of things. And when my great-grandpa was, gosh, up into his mid-90s, I'd get off the bus and he would be sitting on the front porch in a swing waiting for us to get off the bus. I think he graduated, what, sixth grade? Taught high school. And he would tell me about teaching. He'd tell me about war. He'd tell me about farming. He would tell me about all these things. He would just sit and talk with me at the age of five. I can't imagine what the conversation was like. All I do remember is listening, but I know myself, and there was probably a lot coming out of me at that time. But he took the time, and I remember his patience and his poise. But you don't get that overnight. You gain experiences, and you grow. And that's what I'm talking about, stepping out in faith. You can start stepping out in your faith when you're 8 or when you're 80. It doesn't matter. There's things to be done for the kingdom of God. There's people to talk to that haven't heard about Christ's saving grace. There's songs to be sung. There's prayers to be prayed. And we have to press on and we have to persevere. Because our goal isn't us. Our goal is the army. A family. See, I don't come to church just for myself. Granted, sometimes I do. Sometimes I need it for me. But I come to church to help my family grow in times of struggle. I come to help sing praises when they're happy. I come to kneel with them and cry when they're crying. I come to pray when they need to pray. I come to help when they need help. And rejoice when they want to rejoice. But sometimes I need that too. And guess what? You guys are here for me. Because we're a family. We're God's army. And we have different strengths. Just like soldiers have different strengths. Where I can pick up and carry on. Some people need to set me down and make me slow down. 
Some people can sing. Some people can't. Some people are prayer warriors, man. Some people can pray, and it's like they have a direct access to God when I feel like sometimes the ceiling is such a barrier between me and God. They can help me press through those moments. Because we're an army of God. We bring skill and character and perseverance. We bring experience. We bring youthful energy. We get it all together, and that makes us an army of God. That makes us more than conquerors. By the grace of God, we are forgiven and have access to the hope and the glory of God. In verse 4, in patience, experience, and experience hope. Verse 5, it says, In hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Like a soldier going off to war, fought for me three generations ago, four generations ago, five generations ago. Because they believed in something greater than their self. They believed in what they were fighting for. They believed in their purpose. And we all have a purpose in God. And that's telling about the good news gospel that Christ was the best soldier there ever was and He gave His life for the ungodly. It says it. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Guess what? One time, I was ungodly. Guess what, Bob? At one time, you were ungodly. My wife was ungodly. And Christ still died for me even though I was a sinner swandering in my own filth. Verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I was leading a, a senior group Bible study. They asked me to step in and fill in because they wanted my perspective, a more youthful perspective on a topic. And so they gave me a, they gave me a topic and they asked me to lead a class. And it was about friendship, and it was about family, and it was about sacrifice. And in this study guide, as I was reading through it, preparing for the class on that Sunday, the first question was, how many people do you know? I was like, gosh, I know tons of people. I know people that I don't even know. You know what I mean? I mean, I, don't even, I know you from somewhere. I don't know where it is. But I know tons of people. So how many friends do you have? Gosh, I feel like I'm pretty fortunate. I got tons of friends. And I got a lot of friends. I'm going down through there and it's like, okay, how many best friends do you have? And I see what they're getting at. You know, my circle kind of is, is closing in here. I'm best friends? Well, you know, it's kind of smaller than the, the friends group, I would say. 
And then they asked the question, how many friends would you got that would sacrifice their life for you? And I'm like, whoo, that circle just went, (laughs) I don't even know that there is a circle anymore. I would like to think that I maybe have one or two. I don't know. I didn't ever even ask them I was going to. So that's a tough question because I'm asking them to leave their family for me. I'm asking them to give up everything that they know for me. And then the last question was, how many would you sacrifice your life for? I'm like, man. I get to thinking about my, my wife and kids sitting at home. Thinking about my mom and dad. My best friends, my church family. All of a sudden, I'm thinking like, would I? Would I sacrifice my life? Bible says we should count all the costs before we start building. Christ knew the price when he came. God knew the cost and he waited for a wretch, a rickety sinner as myself. God thought I was important enough that he sent his son to die for me that I outweighed everything else. But when we think about a soldier, he made the same choice. He gave up his family, potentially. He gave up his kids and his future and his church to go serve for a greater purpose. So as we sit in our church today, all comfortable, although I was pretty hot earlier. Sorry if you're cold, but man, I was hot earlier. We have to choose what the greater purpose is. My church family is important. This church is important for me, and I pray for it every day, multiple times a day. I pray for everybody in here multiple times a day, but my greater purpose is the kingdom of of God. That's my first and foremost purpose is God and what he wants from me. This is what God wants from me right now. He wants for me to shepherd a flock right now. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability underneath God's authority. But in John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We talk about how Jesus came to set an example for us to follow. The example is clear. That we should sacrifice everything that we know for the kingdom of God. Jesus sacrificed everything that he had on earth because he had a greater purpose in mind. See, God's purpose should be the greatest purpose in our life. God's will should supersede our will. We should want the things that God wants over what we want. That's a tough battle at the age of five. I had that conversation this morning about wants and needs and things of that nature. 
But then I have to gauge myself and my wants and my needs and how it lines up with God and what He wants. Sometimes they don't always match up. Sometimes I choose wrongly. But because of what Jesus Christ did, I have grace and mercy. In verse 10 it says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. I want you to remember this statement. When we were enemies of the kingdom of God, when we were on the opposing team, when we were in opposition, doing everything that we could to show people the other door, God sent His Son to die for us. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, which means God brought us in by the death of His Son, He gave us opportunity. He gave us a hope in the darkness. And much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Next place I'm going to go is 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you want to start flipping there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I love this soldier's field guide. And I was looking for the section where it talks about Christian conduct in the Bible. There's things that we have to stand for to go for our purpose. There's things that we need to do and to work on to go towards God's purpose. There's a building process. And sometimes you will take two steps forward and three steps back. But it doesn't mean your efforts were in vain because guess what? You experienced my mom always told me that there wasn't any wrong choice, but you had to live with the decision that you made. And sometimes you may not like the consequences of your choices. But the choice has been made. It's happened. Or is happening. Now you've got to deal with it. And how you deal with it is what it creates. Are you going to persevere? Are you going to learn? Or next week are you going to sit keep making the same mistake are you going to step back in to that sin that you got rid of because we all know the sin that i'm talking about we all know the sin that you have in your life that you hide deep down so that your neighbors don't know so that people sitting beside you in the church pew don't know you swallow it down and you you try to hide it we all know that sin we've all coveted that sin we've got to let god's light shine on it We've got to expose it to righteousness for it to expel. Is it a sin you can't beat on your own? Been there. Done that. I'm sure I'll experience another sin like that again. Is it something that you walked away from and then walked back to? See, as a soldier, we have an army in our arsenal. We have a commander-in-chief that has overcome the world. He has overcome death. He has overcome darkness. There's only darkness here because we ask for it. There's only darkness here because we allow it. 
See, God would love for all that sin in your life to be gone and cast out into outer darkness for good, but we harbor it. We hold on to it. Or we at least want it within reach so that when we feel like it, we just got to lean a little bit and we can pick that sin back up. See, God wants it out of here. He wants it gone. He doesn't want any darkness ever because there is no darkness in Him. God is light. So I'm asking you today as a soldier, will you count on an army that is not judgmental, that is here to help, that is here seeking a higher purpose than their self? See, that's what churches should be full of. Non-judgmental, neutral places, all seeking a higher purpose above themselves. We've got to get there. We've got to grow there. We've got to at least be heading there. It takes individual growth. It takes individuals seeking God with everything that they are, that they might grow. God wants the best for us. He wants us to be a finely tuned army, a God-fearing army that goes out to the battle relying on nothing but faith. Second Timothy verse two, starting in verse one, sorry, chapter two, starting in verse one, it says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I want to go down this road. We have to teach people. You have to teach people to fight. You have to train soldiers. And how do you train soldiers? With soldiers with experience. Soldiers with endurance. Soldiers with patience. Soldiers with experience. You don't put new soldiers to train new soldiers and expect that you're going to get an army that's going to win. You've got to put new soldiers with experience. Soldiers to train so that they can persevere that they can come together, that they can gather their strengths. But if you're not training, if you're not teaching, if you're not telling, the pool gets smaller and smaller. Churches will get smaller and smaller. Steve, if we're not talking about it where we work, man, our kid pool is going to get smaller. People coming up through our church learning as we train them is going to get smaller. You're going to start having one or two, and then before you know it, you're going to have an age group that's 80 plus, no offense, guys, with nothing underneath, nobody to train, because nobody's been talking, nobody's been telling, nobody's been asking. One of the greatest things that I loved when I started pastoring at this church was the diligence and the persuasiveness, and they asked the tough questions. Do you want to accept Christ as Savior? A lot of people talk about it, but they never get to the question. Some people are ready. All you got to do is ask. Are we asking? Some people want to know. All you got to do is tell them. Are we telling? Some people want to grow so bad in Christ, but they don't know how because there's nobody to teach. Are we teaching? 
these are the tough questions because as we gain experiences, we're not to sew up and keep them to ourselves. We're to train an army. Because if we don't fight for our freedoms, if we don't fight for the grace that God gave us to tell other people, then pretty soon your lips are going to be tied by a government that has no use for a Christian. How do you overcome that? You build an army that's stronger, that's wiser, and by the grace of God, we are more than conquerors. But we have to be training. We have to be teaching. We have to be telling. And above all, we have to be loving and forgiving. Because Christ died for me when I was on the opposing team. When I was fighting against him, he still yet gave his life for me. Some people we chalk off. They're pretty easy to chalk off. Well, he ain't never gonna. Well, I don't ever wanna. Maybe it's not you. But don't be so quick to dismiss. Because it has to do with the army that you're fighting in. Verse 4. Sorry, back up to verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. See, God chose me. God created me and he chose me. And he wants me to be a part of his army. And he wants me to lead. And he wants me to guide. And he wants me to train. But it's not just me he wants that from. It's you he wants that from. He wants you to sing if you can sing. He wants you to pray if you can pray. He wants you to preach if you can preach. God gave you a spiritual gift and it's inside of you because it's the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you. Don't say you don't have any skill because that's like saying the Holy Spirit can do nothing for me. And it's just not true. It's just not true. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will give you strength. I heard one preacher talk about we have all the tools that we're ever going to need inside of us. He was right. It's the Holy Spirit. That's all we're ever going to need. So when you say, I can't or I won't, that's bad. Gosh, I won't. Why not? Well, because I can't. Really? You can't or you don't want to? Man, these are some tough questions. But Christ is our example. Died for me when I opposed him. Will you sacrifice your time at church to help somebody and share the gospel, changing the flat tire on the side of the road? Will you sacrifice time with your family to preach the gospel to somebody you don't know? Because I'm telling you, if you're not gathered here for a greater purpose other than yourself, you need to reanalyze what's going on. Sometimes it is about us. Sometimes we're the one that needs help. I'm not saying that. I need help sometimes. All the time. My wife will tell you all the time. I need help. 
That's why we come here. That's why we're part of a family. That's why we're a part of an army. So that if I need prayers, I can pick up the phone. I could pick up the phone any time of day or night, and I could have a prayer circle around me within 30 minutes. I'll guarantee you. But that's the kind of army that I choose to surround myself with. Because I want true men of God praying for me. Because I want true family of God looking out and raising my kids with me. Just remember, God chose you to be a part of His army. God chose you to be a soldier. It says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his own life for his friend. Sacrifice. Christ did it for you. Are you willing to do it for others? Are you willing to weather somebody else's storm just so you can be with them? Are you willing to take on waters unknown to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? If you would stand with me today. Let's remember this weekend the people that gave their life so that we could assemble here freely today without persecution. Because I can assure you, as I told my son earlier this morning, not everybody has the same things that we have. And we don't have the things that other people have. Some people don't have this freedom as they gather in underground churches in China as they face persecution, as they hit their knees with a bag over their head, knowing they're going to die for believing in Christ. See, we don't have to worry about that here, but let's not get soft, or we will have to worry about that here. The spreading of the gospel. God's army. Remember the fallen this weekend as you gather with family and things like that. We're going to open up the altars. If you need prayer, raise your hand. If the Spirit's leading you to come hit your knees at the altar, I'm not going to step in front of the Spirit. You come and pray. But if you need prayer today, if you need to accept Christ today and don't know how, today is the day. Join an army. Join a family. The altars are open.